Hey there, it's Unleashed with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. It is episode 51, Dick Butkus episode. Episode 51 for Tuesday, November 29th, 2022. 49ers upon further review. I thought Barry Bonds was getting into the Hall of Fame for a minute. The latest on Aaron Judge. Is New York nervous? QB stories are crazy this weekend. Black Friday and Cyber Monday have come and gone. Where do you do your shopping for the holidays? Let's go. Ho, 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 let's go. Thank you for making Unleashed your first stop for Barry Sports each weekday. Subscribe or get your podcast, your favorites. And, of course, the YouTube channel is up as well. All you got to do is search John Lund Unleashed, and you'll get the YouTube channel as well. And not only do I have some podcasts up there already, we've got the, you know, get to know me, get to know you kind of a thing. So uh, make sure you check that out as well. If you are new... A lot of stuff going on today. Big leadoff spot today. A few stories, audio, video. We love interactions, so go to and subscribe where you get your favorite podcast. The YouTube channel, as I said, is up as well. I got the full breakdown of who I am. So make sure you stop on by and check everything out and check me out on my day job on KNBR Radio in San Francisco. And by the way, uh, the KNBR job in San Francisco, I will not be there on Tuesday, and I'm really bummed out because uh, Raheem Ostert is joining the show 10.30 10.30 for Raheem Mostert on Tuesday. So uh, F.P. Santangelo, my pal, used to play Major League Baseball for the uh, Giants and the Expos back in the day and uh, was a broadcaster for the Nationals for many years. He's going to fill in with Greg Poppin tomorrow, so make sure you tune in on KNBR, even though I'm not going to be there. And Raheem Mostert is going to be their special guest at 10.30, and uh, we'll hear Kyle Shanahan's reaction in a minute from what Raheem Mostert said. And if you missed it, I'll talk more about it when we talk with uh, Kyle Shanahan. But a lot going on today. Kyle Shannon with the injuries, some good news, some not. We'll get into that conversation. As I said, Raheem Mostert will talk. I thought Barry Bonds might get in the Hall of Fame for just a second, but then I saw the uh, New Era Committee, which we'll get into the conversation today as well. Just crazy QB story. So all of it. Let's get to it. Start with today's big lead. Ladies and gentlemen, can I please have your attention? I've just been handed an urgent and horrifying news story. And I need all of you to stop what you're doing and listen. Um, The injuries from the game, um, Elijah had the MCL sprained. uh, Wasn't the news we were looking for. Uh, He'll be out longer than that, uh, most likely six to eight weeks. Um, McCaffrey has some knee irritation. We'll manage him throughout the week. Um, Spencer Burford had an ankle sprain. Uh, hopefully we'll get him back later in the week. Um, and that's it from the game. Kyle, how did Jimmy check out? Obviously you didn't mention him, so he's okay, but was that kind of a relief that he didn't come in this morning with, with major swelling or anything? Yeah, no, it was a relief that, you know, no serious injuries um, came up. You know, I know he's pretty sore today and stuff. Um, so hopefully he'll work that out by Wednesday, but um, nothing serious. All right, so there's Kyle Shanahan, and there's a mixed bag there. Elijah Mitchell first and foremost, and that's going to bring up, I don't know, criticism is probably too strong a word, but it's certainly going to bring up some conversation. So let's start there, and let's go back for a minute. In yesterday's podcast, we talked about it. For a few weeks, post-game press conference with Kyle Shanahan started out with no injuries, and that was really the biggest story. We talk about this in every single sport. We can debate everything and in baseball and in basketball and football, but in football it's the number one sport and guys are going to get hurt. It's just who gets hurt, when they get hurt, 
When you get your team healthy, can you make a run at the end of the season? That's what the 49ers did when they went to the Super Bowl. It's what the 49ers did after they got off to a 3-5 and five start this season. And the only long-term major injury, there's been two actually, Trey Lance, but you could debate that Jimmy Garoppolo, at least at this point in his career, has made the 49ers better. So losing Trey Lance, yeah, I wanted to see Trey Lance develop. But are the 49ers better with Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah, they are. He didn't play great last week, but he played great the week before. And right now, Jimmy Garoppolo gives the 49ers the best chance to win. So that was the big offensive injury. And then Emmanuel Mosley is the big defensive injury. But the defense has given up 15.7 points per game, which is number one in the league. Number one against the run. Uh, great against the pass. They've done all these different things. And the major injury has been Emmanuel Mosley for the season. I know Jav- Javon Kinlaw is out. Uh, he's been hit and miss. I'm not saying he's not a major Loss, he's a eh, – I am going to say he's not a major loss. He's a he's a loss in depth, but I think that the guys they have in there are fine. It's just that he would be a depth piece at this point. So injury-wise, the 49ers haven't had a horrible season. Emmanuel Mosley, to me, is the biggest loss of the year. But Elijah Mitchell gets hurt. Elijah Mitchell got hurt last year. Elijah Mitchell got hurt this year. Christian McCaffrey has gotten uh, banged up. Christian McCaffrey is going to have to deal with a knee. You heard Kyle Shanahan talk about it. And the 49ers, and we're going to talk more about Christian, or we're going to talk more about uh, Raheem Mostert and the things he said because Kyle Shanahan in today's press conference, he responded to everything. So I'll play that for you in a second. But where the criticism could come in easily is Kyle Shanahan running backs get hurt. They get hurt. Mike Shanahan running backs got hurt. They had a stable of running backs, and that's how they do things within this system because it's one cut, get up the field, and run somebody over. And that's obviously conducive to injuries. So when you have Jeff Wilson Jr., who knows your system, plays well in your system, and when they traded for Christian McCaffrey and they had Elijah Mitchell coming off the injured list from his other sprained MCL, this is on the other knee, and you heard the bad news, he's going to miss the rest of the regular season. So now Ty Davis-Price, another third-round pick, second consecutive year they've taken a third-round pick uh, running back, and those type of running backs should be able to contribute right away. Ty Davis-Price, just like Trey Sermon the year before, third-round pick, from a major school, Ohio State, and now Ty uh, Davis-Price LSU, haven't been able to contribute and be in this system. And that's why Kyle takes running backs year after year after year. It's the reason why Mike Shanahan took running backs year after year after year because they know they're going to get hurt. So they took their depth piece because he asked. He went to the organization, and Jeff Wilson's been a good soldier on this team, and he's a free agent, and, and the 49ers, I think, felt in part that they owed it to Jeff Wilson after they got Christian McCaffrey to make the trade of Jeff Wilson Jr. for a fifth-round pick. He's thrived with the Dolphins. The Dolphins are coming in this week. We'll talk all about the Dolphins as the week progresses, but the story right now is Elijah Mitchell's down for the rest of the regular season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey, uh, they had to work on his knee. I watched. I was at the game and I had the binoculars watching Christian McCaffrey a lot of the second half. He wasn't himself. And I'm not saying that trade's a bad trade because I'd make that trade every single time you take risks on injuries, but these backs get hurt. And now Jeff Wilson Jr. is going to be wearing aqua uh, in the uh, at Levi's Stadium this weekend, and you had the guy, and you didn't have to trade him for a fifth-round pick. And I can guarantee you that Kyle Shanahan, to get him back, trade deadline's passed, I'm just saying this hypothetically, would give a lot higher than that to give Jeff Wilson back in 49ers red this weekend, but that's not how it works. So Ty Davis-Price, you saw Jordan Mason because he plays special teams. Tevin Coleman is a guy that Kyle Shanahan trusts, so we may see uh, Tevin Coleman. But suffice to say that Jeff Wilson Jr., especially after the game, so we're all going to have 20-20 vision after the game, 
that trading Jeff Wilson Jr. at this point, probably not the smartest idea. As far as the other injuries are concerned, good news on Jimmy Garoppolo. He's probably just going to have to manage that his knee is going to hurt the rest of the year. He got hit low. He was outside of the pocket. They still called it. That's what they do with quarterbacks. But his knee got bent back. He got hit a couple of times. Pretty good. And so Jimmy Garoppolo's there, which again started the question in the Bay Area. Do you bring Trey Lance back? Because Trey Lance is ahead of schedule. You got Brock Purdy as the backup. Would they bring? They've got a couple of spots on IR that they can still use, put a guy on, get a guy off. Uh, would they use it for Trey Lance? Will they use it for Elijah Mitchell to potentially come back, even though he's going to miss the rest of the regular season? You look to the playoffs, you certainly want to have Elijah Mitchell there. And if Jimmy is banged up right now, do you possibly bring Trey Lance back? A couple of times they've said that uh, he is not going to come back, but if Jimmy Garoppolo is hobbled a little bit, maybe that changes the situation. At least it's something the Bears is keeping an eye on. As far as the Dolphins are concerned, I'm not going to do a deep dive into the Dolphins tonight on this episode of Unleashed because uh, even though I'm having a eye surgery, I'm just having a, a LASIK surgery tomorrow, so I won't be doing a podcast tomorrow, and I will be getting you that Mostert uh, audio the day after that, but we'll have you know Thursday, Friday to talk all about that. But uh, I'm, So I'll do a deep dive a little bit later on in the week as far as the Dolphins are concerned, but I do want to get you this back. So let me reset this. I did this on yesterday's podcast, so go back, whether, it on the, whether you do it on the YouTube channel or on Apple or, or Spotify, go back to episode 50, and I told you in depth and in detail about what Raheem Mostert said. Tyler Dunn, a guy who covers the NFL out of Miami, wrote a piece, and this isn't this un- all that unusual, but I know Raheem Mostert a little bit. He's been on shows. We talked to him quite a bit when he was a 49er, and he's a chip-on-the-shoulder kind of a guy. That's where he gains his motivation. Uh, not drafted out of Purdue, even though he was blazing fast, Played special teams for a number of years. If you don't know the story, Chip Kelly had him in Philadelphia, cut him. Chip Kelly came over to the 49ers, and probably the only good thing he did was bring Raheem Mostert with him. Mostert didn't get a big chance with the 49ers when he finally did. He broke out during that 2019 season. Then the next year he gets hurt, and he gets hurt, and he gets hurt, and he gets hurt, and the 49ers got frustrated as it really as a team. That's why they drafted Trey Lance as Jimmy's replacement, partly because Jimmy Garoppolo couldn't stay healthy. And Raheem Mostert couldn't stay healthy. So they didn't offer him a contract at the end of next year, uh, last year. He was upset with his contract situation anyway. And to keep a long story shorter, what he said was, is essentially they treated me like a piece of meat, so they were going to do that. They were trying to force me to come back early. I didn't want to. I went on IR. I, in my walk year, uh, rehabbed myself correctly. I end up in Miami. And so he's got a chip on his shoulder about the whole thing. Look, that's how business works. It's not just football. It's not just professional sports. We've all done this. We're all professionals. And what happens in business is as long as you're useful, you can hang around. The minute you're not useful or the minute that you make more money than you're worth or the minute that you're a bigger pain in the ass than you're worth, you're out. We're all commodities. We're all pieces of meat. That's the way it works, and it's not just because of sports. I respect Raheem Mostert because I know him and I know where he comes from and I know his story. And he's become a hell of a guy, and he is a hell of a guy. But he's using this as motivation against the 49ers. The irony is he didn't play last week against the Houston Texans. I don't know if he's going to play this week against the 49ers because of a knee problem. Anyway, that's the backstory on the thing. He made it public, and here's what Kyle Shanahan said as a response. Oh, yeah, there was all different types of opinions during that. Um, You know, from where we were at, Raheem, his agent, everybody, just like there always is, there's – first opinions or second opinions. Um, So, yeah, there's always different opinions on those things. 
So that was the way that Kyle hand, uh, handled it. He went on the high road today. That was during the teleconference, the same one where he talked about the injuries, and that's how football works. If you're useful, if you get injured too much, we've got to replace you. It's just the way it goes. It's not that they didn't like Raheem Mostert. They did want him back. They did want him back at their, their number. But after a couple of years, it becomes an organizational problem, and they admitted it that there was just too many injuries, and essentially they just couldn't wait anymore for Raheem Mostert to come around. They've changed their backfield, obviously, I talked about the injuries to Elijah Mitchell. I talked about Christian McCaffrey's kind of hobbled and, and Raheem Mostert's barren and ready to go. As far as what Jeff Wilson said, and we'll talk about this later, Jeff Wilson essentially said that he went to the organization and said, look, I, I see the writing on the wall. I know that this is uh, that Christian McCaffrey's going to be the guy. I want to go to a place where I can get more of an opportunity. The 49ers like and respect Jeff Wilson Jr., and they may have made a mistake and traded him for a fifth-round pick because now – they look like they're short running backs. That's the situation. As far as the big number that you see on your screen, if you're watching on the uh, YouTube channel, I said that there is a number that makes you a little bit nervy, uh, nervous. It says Miami first look, one scary stat. The scary stat is this. Uh, I was looking at uh, – I was actually looking at third downs is what I was looking at. I was looking at third downs, and uh, this popped up as a wide receiver stat. 25-plus yard plays, and this isn't a big surprise – uh, Jalen Waddell of the uh, Dolphins has 13, which leads the league, and this won't be a surprise either. Tyreek Hill, who we don't like because of Super Bowl 54 and Jet Wasp in the third and 15. Sorry to remind you of that. Uh, he's got 11 of those. So combined, 24 plays for those two wide receivers from Tua, 25-plus yards. Diamond Lenore is definitely going to get his fill of those things between Jalen Waddell and Tyree Kill. So, again, we'll get it later on in the week. We'll get a little deeper dive into the Dolphins, but that is just a quick one that I wanted to uh, get across to you. Let's hit the next story. Barry Bonds, could he get into the Hall of Fame? Well, I thought he could get into the Hall of Fame when I first looked at this, and um, the Contemporary Baseball Era Committee, and we didn't know who the 16 voters were going to be. We just knew, and it says contemporary, so it's contemporary players. There are seven of those. There are six MLB executives, I'll give you that list in a minute, and there are three media members, and Barry Bonds or others like Roger Clemens or Rafael Palmeiro or Dale Murphy, uh, Don Mattingly, to just name a few, they need 12 of the 16 votes to get in. So when I first looked at that list, Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell, those are the players, MLB exe- uh, execs, Paul Beeston, he was with the Blue Jays, when they had Roger Clemens, Theo Epstein, he's a modern thinker. Artie Moreno, that's kind of a weird one. He's the, going to be the outgoing owner of the Angels. Uh, and then a num- uh, many of the members you wouldn't know, Susan Slusser of the San Francisco Chronicle is one of the three. She's been a Barry Bonds supporter as of late. So I thought, I looked at that thing and I thought, Chipper Jones, Greg Maddox, Jack Morris, Ryan Sandberg, Lee Smith, Frank Thomas, Alan Trammell, those are guys that faced Barry Bonds. Those guys know the greatness of Barry Bonds. But then on our show with Greg Pop on KMBR, which you can hear weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., we did a little bit of searching, did a little bit of texting, and it sounds like those guys in no way, shape, or form. Now, I don't know that they're Joe Morgans. Remember, Joe Morgan, uh, may he rest in peace, Big Red Machine, Joe Morgan, Bay Area guy, said on many occasions publicly that he wasn't ever going to vote for Barry Bonds into the Hall of Fame. But I looked at those names, and I thought to myself, younger guys played with Barry Bonds, would probably vote him in. And the issue I have, and look, this is the safe sanctuary. If you're from outside the Bay Area, I understand this. But the safe sanctuary that the Bay Area is in San Francisco is for Barry Bonds. These modern players know that I just mentioned. This was one of the reasons I thought maybe he would get in. 
that it was rampant during those times. I've always been critical of Major League Baseball because they let it happen. They fostered the atmosphere. They profited off of it. And then when it was time to pay up and say, you know what, and back these players who filled and lined their pockets with gold, they turned around and went, what? We didn't know this was going on. I covered baseball. I knew it was going on. Everybody knew it was going on. It was the worst kept secret in sports. It certainly was the worst kept secret in clubhouses and in baseball. And all of those guys that I just mentioned who played through that era knew that it was going on in their clubhouse. And I thought that they would be, I'm not going to use the word sympathetic because that's not accurate, but I thought they would say, look, I faced Barry or played against Barry or in Maddox's case, you know, pitched to Barry and I knew how great he was and I knew how great he was before all of this stuff happened. So I thought that they would vote him in the 12 of the 16, but it doesn't sound like Barry Bonds is going to get into the Hall of Fame. Uh, clean guys probably get in. Dale Murphy, Fred McGriff, Don Manningly. None of those guys are users. Barry, Clemens, Palmero. They probably won't get in, and then Kurt Schilling's just a jerk. So uh, early optimism when I first read the list, but in doing a little bit of digging, it doesn't sound like Barry Bonds is going to get in next. We're just doing our due diligence and looking forward. You have to believe that the deal is now probably an eight-year deal, and you have to believe that the deal probably is in the $300 million range because he had talked about wanting Trout money, and Trout makes about $35.5 million a year. So that's where I think we stand. I think the Yankees are hopeful that Judge will be their right fielder in 2023. But he's allowed to talk to as many teams as he wants to, and the Yankees are going to continue to try and let him know the way they feel about him. Well, I'm glad that you said the Yankees are confident and comfortable with their offer. And if you're Aaron Judge, you think about it. All right, the Yankees made me an offer. Now I go out to San Francisco. I spend some time with them. They give me their pitch. They have Steph Curry and these other people trying to implore Aaron Judge to come on to San Francisco. But if you're Aaron, Jack, to your, your point, you have earned this right to sit back and be courted by as many teams, as many organizations that want to get into this. We know the Giants are involved. If Jack is saying maybe that the Yankees have an eight-year offer on the table, do the Giants stretch that to nine for somebody who's going to be 31 years old? That sounds like a lot to me. But if you're Aaron Judge, you kind of sit back this week probably before the winter meetings, get as many teams involved as possible. I haven't heard of any other team except the Giants, the Yankees, and the Dodgers. Right, the Dodgers. Dodgers, of course, we talked about that on our last show. They loom on the West Coast as a team that has taken a lot of money off of its payroll and a team that would love to be able to have another star like Judge. So the winter meetings are coming. A lot of players sometimes would like to get their situation resolved. I think that Judge and the Yankees will have future conversations. I think the conversations they've already have have been positive. And I actually think it makes a lot of sense for the two of them to have this marriage that is kind of on hold right now to be reunited again. I think it makes sense for Judge to be a Yankee. I think it makes a lot of sense for the Yankees to make sure that Judge is a Yankee. And in listening to Hal Steinbrenner, I don't think the Yankees are going to let another team swoop in and take away the player who is their marquee player. All right, that was on the Yes Network. And let me start, let me go back to the end of that. Uh, last week, I was watching the Yes Network. I watch it every single week. I record it so that I can hear what's going on in New York. And that is the latest from their standpoint in Aaron Judge. And the arrogance of New York, and I'm a West Coast my, a guy my whole life. I love visiting New York. I have no issue with it. I love the sports fans. Uh, in New York, I got a ton of passion. I got a, t a ton of respect for him. I, I've always had this viewpoint 
of the West. We have it more in perspective. We have a lot to do. I've lived, and this is uh, what I've talked about in the podcast before. I've lived all over the country, and I understand that in certain climates, I mean, that's all you got going on. And they've got their hardcore fans, and sometimes we on the West Coast get criticized for it. It's like, look, because a lot of fans out here have other things to do, the weather's really nice, I, I, I don't think that's a bad thing, but we get criticized for it out here. But let me go back to the end of that cut on the S Network and their hot stove show where they said they're not going to let – Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees are not going to let their star player leave. Well, they already have because it's like letting your wife go see what's out there. Now, she may not leave you, and she may think that you're the greatest, but you better be doing the right things or else she is going to leave you. By letting Aaron Judge get to free agency, you have let him go. It's not, it's not your choice anymore when he says House Denver is not going to let him go. Well, if he decides that he wants to go to the Giants, they have no other choice. They had an entire season to sign Aaron Judge, and they didn't. They could have desperately said, okay, I know you didn't want to negotiate during the season, and we offered you that dumb $213 million contract or break it out. Here's the 300 you want right now. Don't go. Don't go. You know, groveling on your knees as you run after your wife. No, don't go on that date. Once you let her out the door... You never know what's going to happen. Once you let Aaron Judge come to San Francisco, you don't know what's going to happen. So I, I take umbrage with that part of it. But also, as I watch these shows in New York, it, it, it is it is seen as the mecca, like Madison Square Garden's the mecca. I've been there. It's not that great. Uh, New York Stadium, not that great. Aaron Judge doesn't live in New York in the offseason. He lives in Tampa because it's warm and it's right by their facility. Again, here's the one thing that we do not know about Aaron Judge. It's all a bunch of speculation, and a lot of what I just heard was this. That's what I heard from those guys because they don't know what's going on. Because the thing we don't know about Aaron Judge, because he's keeping all of this close to the vest. Look, I still think, if I was a betting man, and I am, thank you very much, that the Yankees probably have, I don't know, a 60% chance to retain Aaron Judge. But what you hear from everyone who is objective, not people sitting in New York telling us how great New York is and how somehow we're at the end of that, which made no sense, was blubbering as well, where it's Aaron Judge deserves to be a Yankee and this and that. What? What are you talking about? I mean, they think the, the pinstripes are the only thing that matters. The Giants have a pretty good tradition in and of themselves and have won three World Series since the Yankees have even been in a World Series. I'm not here to debate whether the Yankees are a great organization or one of the top organizations, but it's, I, I heard on this very show last week on this Yes Network show that they compared the Giants to the Mariners who have never won anything, and he said that what the same guy that was talking at the end said, Aaron Judge can either be Derek Jeter or it can be Robinson Cano. I doubt that going to the Giants is like Robinson Cano going to the Mariners, but whatever, I digress. The one thing we don't know about Aaron Judge, because he keeps it close to the vest, is what is the lure of home? What is the lure of coming home? How close do you want to be to your family? Do you want to be in Tampa? What? How do you want to do this? Because the one thing I can tell you from my experience, which I have no idea about Aaron Judge, the only thing you can do is, is give life experiences. Well, I lived in Detroit for a number of years. My wife did not like it there, but I got a great contract offer, and I was debating whether we would go or not. And as eventually she said, look, either me or the job, and I went with her, and then I got divorced anyway later, but that's a whole different story. Point is is that we had a young child at the time, and we got sick and tired of jumping on a, on a plane and freezing our butts off and going six hours to the West Coast, and we just said, you know what, let's be closer to family. We're having a family. Let's get closer to family. It becomes more important what you do at the beginning of your career a lot of times, and I did it. 
Was it you chase things all over the country and then you get to the point where you say, hey, you know what? Family's kind of important. So I don't know. Is that Aaron Judge's story? I don't know. Maybe he, he the lure of being a Yankee and wearing 99 and wearing the pinstripes and doing it in New York and winning a championship for the Yankees, that's what's important to him. I don't know what his priorities are. You know, I've heard from people saying that being a Yankee is really important to him. I've also heard other people say he got alienated by the fact that it was a $213 million contract, and then they went public with it, which is to say that, hey, man, we did everything we could. This guy didn't take our money. Not on us. Aaron Judge didn't like it. Aaron Judge, uh, West Coast guy, didn't like being booed in the playoffs after the kind of season, the greatest walk year in the history of Major League Baseball, and he's getting booed by his own fans in the postseason. Again, I'm not saying that they're bad fans. They're passionate fans. It's what they do in New York. They would never do that on the West Coast. Does that matter to Aaron Judge? I don't know. But in listening to that long clip, and the reason why I played the whole thing is because it's pure speculation that I'm doing. It's pure speculation that they're doing. But a lot of their viewpoint is it's the Yankees. How do you leave the Yankees? How do you leave New York? Not everybody's a New York person. Maybe Aaron Judge is. Or maybe family is really a strong pull to Aaron Judge. Or maybe Aaron Judge just wants all the money, but he's not a Scott Boris guy. And a Scott Boris guy would take all the money. So anyway, they did say at the end, the winter meetings, December 4th, those are in San Diego. And by the way, I don't know what you're hearing on this, but if he was a Boris guy, he would wait to the end. Remember, Bryce Harper signed, I think right after spring training actually even started or right before when he signed his deal. Boris will wait to the end. Aaron Judge isn't in the same boat as everybody else. He's not setting a market. He doesn't need leverage. He didn't go to San Francisco for leverage. He's not. If he talks to the Dodgers, he's not going to L.A. for leverage. He's got leverage. The season he just had is all the leverage that he needs and much, much more. And he doesn't have to do some tour to make uh, other teams be jealous. I don't know if if it's money. I don't know what is his priorities. But he is not going to wait for the market. He is the market. Uh, That's what's going on. Next, the quarterback stories this week are 100% crazy. Know if something was said, if Russell Wilson says something as he's coming off the field here, or Purcell is just going over to him and saying, "Hey, man, I care about this." That's ribs. Um, and it was in the first half, and then got kind of reaggravated in the third quarter. Just having a hard time breathing. How will the offense change uh, with Deshaun now at quarterback? Yeah, I mean, I think we'll see. Uh, is probably the, the short answer. Uh, what we'll always do, Jeff, is, is try to maximize the talents of our players. So there are things that you certainly will do with Deshaun. Uh, there's things that Jacoby was really good at, but you just want to always be thinking about your players and, and doing what they do best. So That's Kevin Stefanski at the end, talking about Deshaun Watson, who is coming back for week 13 against the Texans in Houston. Uh, the second, we'll go do this in reverse order. The second one you heard was Aaron Rodgers saying that it's uh, ribs, potentially broken ribs. He already had an avulsion fracture in his in his thumb, which is the same injury that, or one of the injuries that Jimmy Garoppolo had last season. And the first one was the description on CBS in which former 49er Mark Purcell went over to Russell Wilson on the sideline and got in his face. And I would imagine probably just because the Broncos have the worst offense in the league and Russell Wilson is one of the worst quarterbacks in the league statistically this year, that Russ was probably yelling some corny uh, inspiration out to Mike Purcell as he was jogging off the field. And he probably reminded him in a much more harsh way and a profanity-laden way than I'm going to say 
that he screamed in his face that that was enough and the offense was pissing him off. I would say in something in those terms, because Russ kind of looked like, oh, yeah, probably the Broncos, let's ride and all that kind of crap I'm doing probably isn't uh, working so well. But Russell Wilson is hated in his own locker room. Alex Smith said on Monday Night Football last night, the former 49ers quarterback, that it looks like the worst trade in NFL history. And by the way, just to revisit, Shelby Harris, Noah Fant, who was a first-round pick, Drew Locke, two ones, two twos, and they already got the left tackle out of that trade. And then Denver's probably going to give him a top-five pick as well. So that's not great for 49ers fans. For a guy that I think the Seahawks knew, I was talking to friends of mine in Seattle when this trade happened, they knew that that wasn't going well. So you got that situation with Russell Wilson. You got Aaron Rodgers with those injuries. Brady lost at Cleveland. They're 5-6, and six, and he's been divorced this year. Uh, Deshaun Watson is back versus the Texans. And Houston, as I told you, Zach Wilson may have lost his job for good to Mike White uh, in New York and the best, uh, the quarterback with the best record in the league, as we all predicted, is Jalen Hurts at 10-1. And, and, oh, by the way, Jimmy Garoppolo is getting paid by the Jets or the Giants this offseason, I think. What a crazy quarterback. I mean, and we always have crazy quarterback stories, and we even, if it's not a big story, we just gravitate towards quarterback stories, but we don't have to make this stuff up. I mean, it's absolutely insane what's going on on the quarterback front this week, and as the week progresses, I'm sure this Deshaun Watson thing is going to pick up, and there was a reason why, and to be honest with you, I was shocked that the NFL, because they when they originally came down, uh, that they did the season, and then they came back, and remember, they appealed to it, and I thought they would definitely uh, go past this uh, Houston game, and they didn't want the, the uh, circus and the debacle that this is going to be this weekend in Houston, but uh, they didn't go for it, and uh, they came back, and that's where Deshaun Watson is going to start for the Browns, who look like they're out of the race in the AFC, so it's probably too late for this season, but he is going to play. He is going to start in Houston coming up this weekend. Crazy storylines for the quarterbacks, and finally, it is time, and if you're new to the podcast, one for the road, we usually come up with some fun and things like that. So something that was on my mind today because uh, I got asked this question today, and so let's hit it. It is time for one for the road. All right, I don't have any sound for you on this thing, but I was having a conversation with a friend of mine because Cyber Monday was yesterday, Black Friday, which my mom absolutely loves uh, Black Friday. So for one for the road today, I, I'm just I'm curious of your opinion. I do this often, and I want to get your feedback, whether it's the YouTube channel that you're watching today or whether it's any of the podcast places you can get us. You can get us everywhere, Apple, Spotify, all those kind of things on, uh, on the Locked On Podcast Network. But how do you do your shopping and when do you do your shopping? So I'm one of those people that the lights are on. Like we've got lights on our house right now. The day after Thanksgiving, we do it. I don't go up on the roof, but we have a guy go up on the roof. He does it. Then we don't flip the lights until the day after after Thanksgiving. So we do that. But we go out and we get a tree the next day. Now it could dry out and we're constantly putting water on the thing, but we're doing that. And it's not that I don't love Thanksgiving. I've gone on the Thanksgiving rant before. I like Thanksgiving as I get older better than I do. Uh, Christmas, a lot less pressure, like being around the family. I've done that rant on earlier, not rant, that discussion on earlier podcasts. But at John Lund Radio, how do you do your shopping? When do you do your shopping? Because I do it early. I tell my kid, hey, get me the Amazon list. Uh, I'll, I, and then I just hit everything on Amazon. I know what my wife wants during the during the year. I make notes and things like that. I know what she wants. 
Uh, we have stepchildren. We know it, they put a list together, and we get everything, and we knock it out. We don't step one foot in a mall. I have not stepped foot in a mall, I don't know, in a couple of years. Uh, I have not bl- done Black Friday in a couple of years. We all know that. If you're a veteran shopper, all that stuff, stuff you wouldn't buy anyway. In- anyway, I mean, my mom loves doing that. And she comes home and she opens up the trunk or whatever, and she's like, look what I got, and, and look at this. And it's like, that's stuff you wouldn't have bought. But I go to Amazon for everything. I don't step foot in the mall. I get everything done. Now, Greg Papa, who I do the, do the KMBR show with, weekdays 10 a.m. to 2 p.m., Greg literally waits until the 24th, like it's hunting season or something, and just like, yeah, that's where the challenge is. I go out on the 24th, and I buy everything on the 24th, and I, you know, I love it, the adrenaline rush and all those things. No way. So how do you shop? When do you shop? Do you go into a mall? Is everything online? Do you do Cyber Monday, Black Friday? I don't do any of that kind of stuff. I, I just got, I, I guess on Cyber Monday, and, I, and sometimes I look it up. And actually, if you do go to Amazon, and I don't know if the Amazon, if Amazon is to de- the devil to you, but they make it so easy, it's really difficult not to be. Uh, at John Lund Radio, hit me up on it. But, and I just get everything done. And I do some of it. I don't even think about Black Friday or what's on sale or anything. Whoever gets what, whoever they want, whatever they want, that's what I do. So give me your thoughts. When do you shop? How do you shop? Do you wait? Do you do it? Is it a mix? Do you go to the mall? Do you go out? I just don't like to deal with people anymore. And they make it so damn easy. And then you got tons of boxes around your house, and it's constant, and you got to hide them from the kids and all that kind of stuff. And if it's marked the way it's marked, yeah, there's, an, a, there's a little bit of a challenge to it. But there you go. Cyber Monday, Black Friday, do you step into a mall? How do you do things? I am curious about the way you shop, and that is one for the road. And that is Unleashed. Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund, from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. I'll be out of the show tomorrow on uh, off KMBR. I'm having a uh, LASIK-type procedure done on my eyes tomorrow. I won't be able to see. It'll make me a little bit nervous. Anyway, that's episode 50, uh, 51 for uh, Monday, November 29th. 2022. Thanks for making Unleashed your first stop for Barrier Sports Talk. YouTube, just search John Lund Unleashed. We're there. Interact at John Lund Radio and subscribe where you get your podcast. It's Unleashed Barrier Sports Talk with me, John Lund. Episode 51 for November 29th, 2022. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network.